0: Can I just say, it is a real pleasure to be able to open God's Word. I'd never lose the wonder of this book, which what Nathan was saying, for some of you young guys here, you don't know how precious this book's going to be for you. We want to be able to give you the best gift that we can ever give you of this book, the Bible. But I also have to say, I just have to say this, I, I, I am lost in wonder that God would trust somebody like me to minister God's Word, because I know me, and uh, He trusts somebody like me to, to minister that. So I have to say there's a, an incredible humility in terms of when I always stand here to just open God's Word, and I was just saying to the Lord this morning on the back of something that Andy shared, beautiful thought, devotional thought in, in our team time, and I just said uh, again to the Lord this morning and tonight, Lord, please go before me when, when we come to this platform. Please go before me. Because if you don't, if you don't go with me, if you don't help me, I'm not going to be able to do it. So, Father, we just thank you for all that's been said this, this evening. Thank you for the fun and laughter that we can enjoy and how we give praise to you. But we just pray now that as your word is open, that you would speak to hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Next week we have something really exciting because Stephen's going to be sharing uh, for Arena Mansfield um, the vision of uh, where we're going into 2017. And uh, you know, there's there's a collective vision, a corporate vision that Arena Church has. But there's going to be some specifics that he's going to speak into, and and I'll be here on the front row cheering everything on that's said, and just believing God for great things in these in these in this coming year and. Beyond, And we're also going to be um, highlighting some of the things that have happened over 2016. And uh, how many of you know that which you celebrate, you will repeat? And we don't celebrate enough. I love a good party. Anybody know we love a good party? Oh, there's about four of you. I'll say Anybody love a good party? I love a good party when you get to celebrate. It's absolutely fantastic. And that's what we're going to be doing next week. In fact, I think we should just do... I don't know what we need to do next week, but can we do something? I'm looking to the guys. Can we... I don't know, just have a, I don't know, just some food afterwards with that. Anybody up for that? Anybody up for some food afterwards? Can I hear a big amen? Amen. Okay, we're all in. Okay, we're going to have some food afterwards. Wonderful. And, uh, you know, because we just want to celebrate the goodness of God over our lives. And uh, I I just love the fact that that we get to do that. As I say, it's been my joy to be able to speak over these last few weeks with regards to overflow. And uh, there's been a number of things that we encourage and are encouraging for us to overflow with. And tonight, it's my joy to talk about the overflow of vision. I want to talk about your life tonight. I don't want to be talking about Arena. I, want to be talk, I know you're part of Arena, many of you. But I want to talk about your life, what God has for your life. So that's where I'm going to be going tonight. And uh, what I really want to talk about, if I was to really label it, it's under the series of overflow but the actual message... Is your passions, your purpose? Nudge the neighbor next to you and say, your passions. And then the other side, your second choice, your purpose, okay? Your passions, your purpose. Your passions, your purpose. Somebody said this, purpose is the reason you journey. And passion is the fire that lights the way. I love that. We want to be a church that's full of passion and full of purpose. And we're just going to lay into that, the the whole thought around that. But before we launch into my particular text, I was just doing a little bit of research because, you know, it's interesting that there's been many social mediums that have come over the last decade. You know, Instagram and Facebook. And there's another one called Twitter Uh, Anybody know what Twitter is? Just give me a wave if you do Twitter. Yeah, I do Twitter. I quite like Twitter. I'm not much of a Facebook fan or even an Instagram, but I'm more into Twitter. I like it. What I like about Twitter is you've got to, in 140 characters, you've got to deliver a message. I know that's very difficult for you ladies out there because you'd have to do it. Did I? Sorry. Yeah. Okay and for you men as well, that, you know, it's difficult for us at times to deliver a message, and there are some things that I've wanted to communicate and I've, uh, over Twitter, and I've wanted to do it in 140 characters, and I found myself going way over that, and I have to strip it back, you know, because you wanted to bring something important, an important message. I was looking at some funny tweets, actually. I don't know whether, whether we can get them up on the screen. That would be absolutely fantastic. But here's one. Uh, Yo, girl, are you a zero APR loan? Because I don't really understand your terms and you keep saying you have no interest. I absolutely love that. Okay, let's have a look at one, shall we? Is is a message of a man who's obviously been caught out. If we can get to that, that would be awesome. Here we are. Honestly, officer, I wouldn't have pulled over had I known you were just going to criticize me. Okay, and the last one, if we can. It's impossible to have an okay time on a trampoline it's either the most fun you've ever had, or you go to the hospital. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. And these Twitter messages, have done it in 140 characters. But there's a message that Paul, the apostle in the Bible, needed to communicate in a succinct way. Because Paul was an incredible Christian leader. For those who don't know much of the Bible, incredible Christian leader in the first century, had a, an incredible experience of the risen Savior Jesus. He was once a hater of anything to do with Christians, was actually a part of the first murder of a Christian that we, that we record, record in the scriptures, and yet had a dramatic Damascus Road experience, became a great Christian leader great pioneer, great church planter. Many people looked up to him. And there was one young man in particular who he'd taken under his wing by the name of Timothy. And this young man, Timothy, was installed into a church and he was doing a great job. But Paul needed to communicate a message in a very succinct way. He needed to be concise. He needed to be to the point. Because part of the issue was Paul was aging by this time. He was aging. He was getting on in years. And he wanted to download all that he knew to put into this young guy. Isn't that true of us who are getting a little bit older? What we want to do is be a blessing to these young guys. You might not think it, but we sometimes we'll put our arm around you because we just want to be a help to you. The, the, the little that we know, we just want to download in you because there's a lot of experience around this room that we need to draw from. And this is what Paul was wanting to do, just wanted to help this young man Timothy. And he wrote him two letters. And they were called the pastoral letters. And as I said, he was succinct and he was concise. And these two letters gave explicit and complete instructions for a number of things. For church leadership, for organization in the entire Bible. It includes sections in these two letters, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, on appropriate conduct in Worship gatherings. So there's instructions about how we should do it and why we should do it. There's also the thought of the qualifications of those who desire to be in church leadership. You know, it doesn't just come to everybody. Not everybody should just be in church leadership. There are qualifications. There's a way in which we're meant to live our lives. And I was challenging the elders on Monday night from this passage about how we should live our lives. And he also gives instructions with regard to to church discipline. He wanted to do that because he knew the world in which we live. People misbehave. People mess up. People, you know, make mistakes. And how do we discipline? How do we restore? Very, very useful information, message that he wanted to download to this young protege called Timothy. I say all of that because towards the end of the first letter that he wrote to Timothy, in chapter 6, we notice that there are two warnings that he gave to the particular listeners. The first thing he was warning about those who take truth and distort it for their own ends, for their own means, and to fit in with what they want to do. And then the second one was about the love of money. This is where we get the phrase. Some people think it's a proverb that's just Man made up. It actually came from Paul's writing in this letter. letter. It says this For the love of money is the root of all evil. And Paul speaks in to this young man, Timothy. But he then goes on to say a few things. And I wonder if you're just turning your Bibles very quickly. And if you haven't got your Bibles, then it'll come on the screen. But if you have, please turn with me to 1 Timothy in chapter 6 and verse 17. Because we pick up this letter, we pick up this message. It's not a Twitter message, and it's certainly not 140 characters, but there's a message that's concise and succinct. And in these, message, in these verses, he's talking about passion and purpose. I put a dartboard here, not because we're going to have a game, but because there's a sense in which there's a bullseye that God has got for every one of us. God is wanting you to live with passion and purpose. What I've realized is, through conversations, that there are many people in this world who don't have any passion for life. And that is why we have so many deaths. We have so many people taking their own lives, because they have no passion and no purpose. And if I can say this, because we've got a lot of men in this congregation, which is wonderful, that now the, the rates of suicide amongst men is increasing so high. Paul would know this from his police background. It's, it's almost now... You know, it used to be women, now it's men. More men are taking their lives. Why is that? Because people have no passion. And people have no purpose. And you might be here tonight and you're in faith. But you have no passion. And you have no purpose. And tonight, what I want to do, and I pray that God would just stab this word on your heart, and you would begin a journey of stepping into passion, your passion, your purpose. It would almost be like a revelation that comes to you That you would know that God has got something for your life. It's not just for for some select favourite for you. God has got a passion and a purpose for every person here tonight. Can I hear a big yes? And so this is what he begins to say in these verses in 1 Timothy 6. Because he talks about, in these verses, passion and purpose. I'll show it you. He says this, command those who are rich... In this present world, not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Thank you. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous, and to willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Before we get to the passion and purpose, I need to just make one statement from these verses, because I want to take the text and I don't just want to pull out what I want to pull out tonight. I have to take it in its entirety, because Paul is addressing, addressing passion and purpose. I'll come to that in a moment, but he talks about the passion, because he says, I've given you these things for your enjoyment. We'll come to that in a moment. And he also talks about purpose, because he says, what you've been given, make sure you share it. Make sure you're generous. Make sure you do something with it. But before he gets there, he has to address a particular issue that is pertinent to every person who is living and who can hear me tonight. And this is what he says. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant and not to put their hope in wealth. The first thing I want to say is this. We are richer than we realize. We are richer than we realize. You might say, I've got nothing. I'm on benefits. I don't own my own home. I haven't got a car. I can't afford to go on holiday. I still want to say, even in the midst of all those things that you haven't got, you are still rich. I'll show you in a minute. You are, you are still rich. We were out in America, as you know, on holiday last year. We had the privilege of going out there. And Isaac, um, he, he has some trouble at times with his eyes. Sometimes it's because he gets tired. But I don't know, it's just a little bit of a weakness. That's not a confession over him, it's just a reality. And he was getting all, all, all uh, not gungy, but it was just, He was struggling. We took him to the chemist thinking that we could just get a prescription. That would be fine. said to Caroline, I'm ever so sorry we can't prescribe drugs like that. You're going to have to go to the doctor's $150 just to see a doctor. Then the drug's on top. Uh, thank God for prayer. I'm serious, we laid hands on him. Now, we had insurance, but we just laid hands on him. He was absolutely fine. Wonderful. But many people in America, they don't have the blessings of what we have. In North America, where we've seen all it on the news, they don't have the blessings of what we have because we have the NHS. If you work for the NHS, I want to thank you for what you do. I want to thank, and this isn't a platform to speak from like I'm propagating. I I am so grateful for the NHS. I am so grateful for the police service and the fire service and the ambulance service and the paramedics. I am so grateful for the highways. We have roads. I'm so grateful for the local council. I'm grateful for the libraries. I'm grateful for those who are in care. I'm grateful for those things. We, what I'm trying to say is we're rich. Might not be perfect, but we are very, very rich. And you may say, well, no, I'm still not with you. Okay, this two pound, I don't think he would get me a large latte. I like a large latte, but it won't get me a large latte. I'm not even sure it will get me a large Americano. And I definitely know it won't get me two large Coca-Colas from McDonald's. It'll get me probably a double cheeseburger. I'm having to keep off those at the moment because, you know, I've got to keep up with my, you know, thin, streamlined waistline and all the rest of it. I think it's 139. Come on, I'm trying to ease you up a little bit, have a bit of fun. Okay, it, this £2 not going to get you that much in this day and age. Listen to me, if you have £2 in your pocket, you're on benefits and you'll have whatever it is that's come to you, you're rich. I'll show you why. Because there are over 3 billion people who work all day long today, today, to earn less than what is held in my hand. 3 billion people who earn less than £2 a day. You are richer than you realize. I hope we have that as always a gratefulness in Arena Church. I want us to be grateful, 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 always grateful. Can I hear a big amen? Always grateful for the goodness, for the food that we have, for the cars that we drive, for the places that we live, for the warm building that we're in. Isn't it perfect? But we thank God we're grateful, we're grateful, we're grateful. You know, some people say, I don't earn enough money and all the rest of it. If you earn 25000 Collectively in your, in your thing, you may say, huh, chance would be a fine thing, but many people around here will. You are in the top 4% of wage earners alive today. The top 4%. If you are earning over 30000 a year or more, you are in the top 1% of the wage earners today. Can I say it again? You are richer. We are richer than we realize. But with wealth comes great responsibility. Paul says, with your wealth, don't become arrogant, but put your hope in God. But then he goes on to say this, with this money you've got comes responsibility. I'm wanting you to trust me, but now I want to just talk to you about the passion. Because he then goes on to say this particular point, and you may have missed it as I read it, but he then says, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Everybody say together, enjoyment. You know, I grew up in church. I'm looking at some people who taught me in in, in, in Sunday school and you know when I make statements like that please I'm not having a go at anybody when I, when I say that but and I think you'd realize it as well those who've been in church for years and years and years it was almost like we're averse to enjoyment you just do have to endure it church was to be endured, not to be enjoyed. Am I speaking to anybody tonight? It was like the more boring it was, the most holy it was. And if you broke out in laughter, oh, shut it down. You can't have anybody know what I'm talking about. And we had to endure it, not to enjoy it. It was almost like enjoyment was a dirty word. And yet we see Paul says here that God has given us everything for our enjoyment. I'm talking about holy pursuits. Don't misunderstand me holy pursuits. And my point that I want to make is this with passion, and I want to reply to you personally, is because I have a passion to see you and passion. I have a passion to you to live those things that will replenish your soul. So this is my point. God's desire is that you will passionately enjoy the pursuits that replenish you. Please, if you're taking notes, this is so important. God's heart is that you would passionately enjoy those pursuits that replenish you—he's wanting you to enjoy this world. It's interesting that Stephen—I I didn't know that actually. You can tell he's much more studious and teaching-based than I was. I didn't know anything about that hymn. I just thought it was a nice hymn, and then I get all the Swedish, German, and English, and all the rest of it—fantastic. And now a man walking out in nature just begins to glory in God's creation. What was he doing? He was just enjoying this world in which we live. He was passionately enjoying the pursuits that clearly replenished his soul. So this is the question. What do you enjoy? Because there are many things that God has given that I think we need to reclaim back. Let me speak prophetically over some things that we need to claim back in Jesus' name. And it's happening. God created music. And we need to claim back music in Jesus' name. We all went through the thing where there was all saying, you couldn't listen to this music and that music. And I'm aware there is some music that will be toxic to your soul. Young people, be very careful what you listen to because there is some music that will get in your head and get in your heart and it's toxic to your soul and adults. But that doesn't mean that all music is bad. There's some wonderful music. There's some great music. There's some things that, and even some dance music. I mean, our Eleanor, she loves getting on down and all the dance music. Get down. We claim it back in Jesus' name. Some of the films, oh, I can't possibly go to the cinema because there's this. Yeah, but there's some great films. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's some great theater productions. There's some great dance shows. This is all for our enjoyment. We need to claim it back in Jesus' name. I want to inspire some people to go into music, to go into film. Oh, I could see Nathan as the leading man on the stage. Oh, my goodness. You actually did do a degree in something or some training, didn't you? In some stage and theatre and. Oh, Jesus. Who knows? Some storytelling, some arts, some sports. I'm glad that we've got some semi pro footballers. In our, in our congregations. I'm glad we've got guys who was on the stands on Saturday cheering the Stags on. I'm glad we've got people who love rugby and love sport and I love people who love to read and well read and. We're going to claim them back in Jesus' name. And listen, all I'm trying to make the point is this. There are some things that we've been said that we can't enjoy and God has given them for our enjoyment. The enemy has said they're bad, they're evil, they're unholy. It's untrue. We have to use our brains and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But we need to use those things because they will replenish your soul. What are you replenished by? Some of you are replenished by walking a mountain. God bless you. I won't be joining you, but God bless you some people think about going and doing some, you know, things like swimming with the dolphins and visiting this place. And my pursuit is holidays, particularly warm holidays. Yes, can I hear a big amen? amen. With a lovely drink on the side and the pool and the sea. I'm, I'm replenished. I'm already feeling replenished. And particularly if I know there's a stake once we wash down and just, a, oh, yes, I'm, I'm there. God is wanting us to enjoy this life. We have to figure out what are our passions. What do I enjoy? What fills my tank? What do I love to do? We have to get a vision of how God wants you to make the most of this life. You know, I never want to be one of the pastors from this platform forever just talking about Arena Church. We're committed to this church. God loves his church. Don't misunderstand me. But he also wants you to enjoy this life that you've been given. He wants you to enjoy your kids and your grandkids. He's wanting you to enjoy the holidays. He's wanting you to enjoy the wonderful summer evenings. He's wanting you to enjoy the, the, the snow and the rain. He's wanting you to enjoy this life. Don't let this life pass you by, guys. It's so quick. It's like a mist. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Ha. <laughs> here's some headings that we try and work out and we did this last year and we need to just get to it this year but we made a list of some things caroline and i with the kids of some of the things that we want to do we're going to anfield this year by faith you may say that's not interesting and jonathan's coming along as well he doesn't know it yet but he's coming you know there's a celebrity match going on and we're going to educate this manchester united um fan Uh, i was going to say something else but i want to be honoring okay and uh you know, we, we're going to go. And why is that? Well, because it will, replenish, it will replenish us. It won't replenish Jonathan, but it will replenish us. We have our headings that we listed under. There's some, there's some practical stuff. Get with your kids. Get with your grandkids. Get with your, with your partners. Or get on your own. What are you wanting to do? it, Family. Relationships. What do I want to do this year? Hobbies. Interests. What would I like to do this year? In my work. What do I want to accomplish in my work this year? Work less, work more. I don't know. In your purpose, in church, what do you want to do? Just list them down. Because I'm I'm a firm believer if you don't list it, you won't do it. You've got to list it. You've got to call it out. This is your passion. Passionately enjoy those things that God has given to you. Can I hear a big amen? Have you got the point? Have you got the point? Secondly, he then goes on to say, that command them to do God. He doesn't just say, I've given you these things for your enjoyment. He then goes on to say in in, in verse 19, command them to do God, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Let me break that down. He says, do God, rich in good deeds, be generous and willing to share. What he's saying is, is this, intentionally serve with what you've been given. This is your purpose. If some of you are wondering, You know, I can't really figure out my purpose. Get this for a quote. If you can't figure out your purpose, figure out your passion. For your passion will lead you right into your purpose. It will every time. What you're passionate about is a real indication of where your purpose needs to be. And here we see that Paul saying to Timothy, Now listen, do good. Be rich in good deeds. Be generous. Be willing to serve. Basically, with what I've given you, with what you have... You begin to serve others. You'll then detect and discern and know what your purpose is. In other words, what am I gifted to do? Not what others are gifted to do. What am I gifted to do? Everybody has been given a gift. Everybody has been given many gifts. And we have to live with intentionality. We have to live on purpose. We have to know that God has given us so much to serve others. We have growth track. That is the purpose of growth track. Running an arena church. We're going to be having growth track in Mansfield in the next few months. I'd encourage you to go on that growth track. It's not a new Christian's course. It really is to help people to know God. Because you won't know your purpose and you won't know your passion until you know God. And once you've known God, you'll come into a place of freedom. That's what happens. That's your next step. And then what you'll do is you'll discover your purpose. And we want to help you through Growth Track. And then we'll launch you into making a difference. That is the point of Growth Track to help people in the life of the church to go from knowing God to finding freedom to discovering your purpose and then going and making a difference. There's so much defeat and depression and frustration and anxiety. And it comes out of comparison and competing listen to me I don't want you living out of somebody else's purpose we want you to live out of your purpose what are you called to do what are you gifted to do what are you uniquely gifted to do and every one of you has been given a gift from God I love what Paul says to the church at Corinth he says this for who do you know that really knows you, knows your heart, and even if they did, is there anything they would discover in you that you could take credit for? Listen, isn't everything you have and everything you are sheer gifts from God? So what's the point of all this comparing and competing? There is no point to it. We need to be people who just understand that God has uniquely gifted us with gifts and we serve, intentionally serve, with purpose. In fact, Bigger than that, we want people to overflow with purpose. We want you to understand that what you have been given will always involve others. I come across some people who just want to live by themselves and live in their own little worlds and their own little bubbles. And I think, you know, they're never going to live out of purpose because for me, living out of purpose will always involve others. The service of others, the blessing of others, the encouraging of others... I understand there's times when people want to retreat from others because of brokenness and broken relationships and hurt. And if that's you tonight, I understand that. But God wants you to do this with other people. And so I have this thought, what I am I share and what I have I share. What I am I share and what I have I share. I'll say it again, what I am I share and what I have I share. And we celebrate one another's uniqueness We celebrate one another's gifts and we celebrate one another's passions and we celebrate our purpose together because God has a unique passion and a unique purpose for every single person. A little bit of a hero of mine in a few we're just gonna in a moment be be, be finishing. But there's a I forgot to say it this morning, but there's a pastor who I've known about, I've never actually met this pastor. Uh, And I've met many of them, but I haven't met this one. And he's a guy by the name of Pastor Tommy Barnett. He's now 80. He's now 80. He's an Assemblies of God minister, just like me. For many years, he led one of the largest and built one of the largest churches in North America. I often say this, he's one of the good guys. He's a terrific, it'll come through the video. Paul said, who is this guy? You could tell. He comes through. And here he is, an 80-year-old man. In a moment, we're going to run the video. He's talking about passion and purpose. Once he finishes, I'm just going to sum up with a prayer. I honestly believe with all my heart, God is wanting to get hold of some people because you're not living with passion. You're not living with purpose. You're just existing. You're just enduring. God has got so much more for you. If you don't know Jesus tonight, God has got so much for you. I sometimes just want to put Jesus in them. Jesus wants to do so much for you if you just allow him if you just give him room in your heart give him room young people if you just allow God Jesus this Jesus to touch you he'll do something incredible in your life so I want to draw it to uh, close with a prayer at the end but I wonder if we'd run the video and let's put it up loud so they can hear it as well that's great let's let's watch Tommy Barnett for just five minutes very
1: faithful now after a year of service she was going back home She was surprised when they bumped her from coach up to first class. She didn't know why. But she found herself sitting by a man in his 60s. Later she found out he was a Jewish man who lived in London. It was probably worth near a billion dollars. They talked and she told of her experience at the Dream Center. And a tear came in his eyes. He said, that sounds like a place I need to go visit. So she arranged a tour. As I took him through the tour that day, He was greatly moved. We went to the service immediately from the tour. And that night when I gave the invitation, a man came forward and weeping and crying accepted Jesus Christ. He was so on fire for God. He would fly once a month from London to L.A. to attend his church. And we can't get some people across the street. Amen. (laughs) One day he texted me and said, I want to talk to you before church tonight. I thought, boy, if that guy can fly that far to church, the least I can do is to meet with him. So before church, he said, Pastor, I saw a movie and I thought about you when I saw it. It's called The Bucket List. (laughs) He said, Pastor, he told me the story. It's two men. They're dying with cancer. They're in the same hospital room. One's rich one is very poor. They're depressed. When one day the rich man... Comes in and he sees a piece of legal pad that is watered up. He said, what's this? And he picks it up and opens it up. Across the top it said, bucket list. And then it said, jump out of an airplane. Climb the Himalayas. Swim with the sharks. Kiss the most beautiful girl in the world. And he said to the poor man, what is this? He said, well, that was the things I wanted to do. Before I kick the bucket, before I die. And the rich man is played by Mickelson. And he got that smile and said, what are you talking about? I got the money. I got the jets. We, we, we're going to live at least one more year, they say. Let's do your bucket list. And the rest of that movie is about those two old codgers jumping out of airplanes. <laughs> swimming with the sharks, trying to climb in and trying to kiss the most beautiful girl he the world. He said, Pastor, when I saw this movie, I thought of you. He said, I've got the jets. I've got all the money in the world. Money is no object. I want you to make a list of your bucket list. Anything you want to do. Money's no object. And you and I will do it, but don't wait too long because we're getting older. Let's do your bucket list. I promised him I would do it. What do you do when a man get you an opportunity to do anything, no money, nothing bar. So I sat down with a legal pad. I put bucket lists and I thought, what do I want to do? And I thought, and I said, I don't want to jump out of an airplane. The Bible said, lo, I am with you. all." I want drive a race car. It's bad enough driving with my wife. Amen. And I've already kissed the most beautiful girl in the world. If I kill her, kiss another one, she'll kill me. Amen. And I thought, and I thought, and I thought. And for the life of me, I couldn't think of anything I'd rather do. And rescue another little girl from human trafficking and take her to the dream they Then feeding another hungry child. Then taking a homeless family, sleeping in their car off of the street. Then reaching out to another gang member, a drug addict or someone dying with AIDS. And I bowed my head and I prayed, oh God, if I get too old to do this, if my mind is not strong enough and my body's too weak and I can't preach the gospel and do what I'm doing, God, I pray that you'll just take me on to heaven. Because what is there to live for if you can't serve your generation while you're here in the will of God?
0: By the way, we have a man who loves to jump out of planes in our and that's his thing, that's a replenishment that comes to him. I hope you got the message tonight. Here is a man who we've just seen there, and the Apostle Paul reminds us that the money that we have let us understand that we're richer than we realise. And those things that God has given to us, may we use them for our enjoyment. May we live with passion. Do those things that replenish your soul. Holy pursuits I'm talking about. And may they catapult us into our purpose. I'm with Pastor Barnett. I can't think of anything greater than serving somebody else. And using what God has given me, what I am, I give away what I have, I give away for the service of others. I wonder if we bow heads and the guys have come and join me on the platform